please open with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians and chapter 2. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen this morning. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I'm going to just read verse 8 right now, and then we're going to come back and read a few other verses later. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. Paul is speaking this to this church at Thessalonica. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear friends to us. Another translation says it like this, uh, not only the gospel of God's, but impart to you our very souls. Uh, Now, if you would, the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 1 and verse 24, Colossians 1, 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Okay, uh, this particular portion of Scripture is a portion of Scripture that is fought about in a lot of denominations and a lot of churches because if you were to read it on the surface, it, it takes this notion that in some way, Christ's afflictions are incomplete. It gives this kind of thought of like, well, what is Paul saying? Uh, I'm filling up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Uh, kind of gives you this feeling of like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. The entire New Testament talks about how Christ's work and the cross is complete. There's nothing that can be added to that. Redemption through his blood and that alone. And then you read this verse and it's kind of, wait a second, I don't quite understand it. Uh, so much to the fact that it's actually omitted out of certain uh, translations of the Bible. If you have a New King or a uh, uh, NIV version, uh, New Living Translation version, these two, two different versions and a few other ones actually kind of leave out this little part that says what was lacking. And, and the reason why they do that is because, well, people fight about it and they don't quite understand it. So let's just kind of toss it to the side. Um, but what I hope to do this morning is kind of bring some clarity to this verse and, and how it relates to walking out this Christian walk. Um, and I'd like to do it by showing you a picture of Genesis 1. And that's in the garden. And God is creating and he's putting the sun and the moon and the stars in their place. He's, he's putting oceans and he's putting land and he's speaking these words and there's light and then there's, and then there's animals and there's all of these things. And, and each day after he's, he's done something, he says, well, it's good. It's awesome and it's beautiful. And then he creates man and wow, it's good. But then all of a sudden there's this pause, like, wait a minute. It's not good that man would be alone. Now think about this for a second. Everything is absolutely perfect. There's no sin. None of of this has happened yet. God has created this beautiful planet. Everything is working in harmony the way it should be. Everything's absolutely perfect. And yet he looks at Adam and says, hold on. Something's not quite right. So Adam takes a nap and wakes up with one less rib. To at which point he goes, wait a minute. Hold on. What, What happened here, God? That's the last time I take a nap. And then he sees Eve and he says, wait a minute, maybe I'll take another nap. You know, like, all right, that's a good looking girl. I see what you were doing, God. That's worth that rib. It's worth it. It's all right. But that's the beauty of it. See, think about it. Everything was complete and perfect. And God says, wait a minute, we need to add something to this because there wasn't a helpmate. There wasn't one that was compatible with Adam. 
There, was, there, there needed to be something else. And there's this reality to the scriptures, there was reality to this Christian life that it was never meant to be lived alone. Hence, it would have just been Adam. And so there's this idea that some people have that, well, oh, it's just me and Jesus and we're all good. It's just me and Jesus and that's all I need. No, 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 no. That's not biblical. That's not the way God intended it. Even if everything was perfect, God would say, hold on, it's not quite right. And so that's kind of what Paul is referring to this in this verse. He's saying, for now I rejoice for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the body, which is the church. Now, what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? Nothing. The only thing that is lacking is you to partake in the complete work that God has already done for you. He came and he died for me and for you. And it's complete and it's finished and it's perfect and and his blood is there and it, it covers every sin. It just needs me and you and every other one of his children that have and will ever walk this planet. Because God so loved the world that he gave. And he came and he stepped out of heaven and into humanity. And so there's this complete work that he's done that but Paul's saying, listen, uh, or, or maybe to put it another way, let me put it like this. When we become partakers in the gospel, we find ourselves brought in to the complete work of God. See, it's complete and it's finished and it's done and you are just becoming a part of what Christ has already done on the cross. You're fulfilling what he has already completed. So it's completely incomplete. It just needs you. It just needs me. And there's this reality that, well, we do it together. Life was meant to be lived together. God could have done a number of different ways to bring about salvation. But what did he do? He stepped out of heaven into humanity. He walked among us, became like us in the sense that he put on this flesh, and he was really crucified. And I don't know about you, but uh, I agree with one person who said it like this. Even even for the person that doesn't believe in Jesus, show me a better man, and I'll serve him. There's not a better man that's ever walked the planet than Jesus Christ. Everything that he's ever done to live his life, for me and for you, complete in him. And so Paul says uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians 2, he's saying this, so being affectionately desirous for you, we were willing to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives, our very souls. So he's saying this, God has commissioned me. I have this number one priority in my, in my life, and that's the spread his message to everyone. God has clearly given Paul this journey to go out and spread the news of Jesus Christ. And Paul's writing this letter to this church and saying, listen, and it's not just that I've given you the most beautiful, most complete, wonderful thing that there is in this life, and that's the gospel message, that Jesus Christ came and died for you and that there is hope in him. But not only that, but we long to share our lives with you. See, here's the reality. Some of us have been living this Christian walk for quite some time. And we love Jesus. 
We love the Lord, but we still feel like, man, I don't have anyone that I could share my life with. The fact is some of us are, are hurting and we're in pain, not because of Jesus, but because where's my best friend? Where's that person that I can confide into and tell my heart and share my soul with? Because the reality is that's built into each one of us. We were meant to share our lives and our souls with not only God, but with each other. And some of us are, are, are hurting because we're lacking that. And we look out, and, and I, I read this quote this week that says, When I admire the wonders of a sunset, the beauty of the, of, the mu- of the moon, my soul expands in the worship of the Creator. When I admire these things, and the, this, the beauty of the sunset, and the wonders of the moon, my soul expands in worship of the Creator. I would add to that, you know, think about those times where you've, you've looked out and you've just seen a beautiful sunset, a beautiful sunrise, or you've gone and you've just seen a beautiful painting. You've seen one of Keith's paintings and you've thought, oh, I'm just awestruck by this painting. But sometimes it's this moment where it's, I just wish I could share this with someone else. To have, man, to, to be out there and to have my friend with me to have my wife with me or husband or, or whoever it might be, to share those moments together, make them even more beautiful. See, I don't want to own a painting that I can't share with others. I don't want to listen to a beautiful piece of music that I can't share with others. I don't want to write a book that I can't give and say, hey, read this as well, read it with me. See, life was meant to be shared and we live in this kind of society where we have so many beautiful things. There's sunsets and poetry and art and music. And, and we live in this world that's trying so hard to connect. And, and, and there's this, this sprout up of, of Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram and all these different ways in which we can kind of connect and, and hope to, to make friends and, and share our lives together. But there's this reality to the more we connect on those levels, the more disconnected we are. The more kind of Facebook friends and more Instagram followers we have, the more we find ourselves all alone. Because then you go and you look and you see somebody's Facebook profile and you say to yourself, dude, there's no way she looks like that. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys in here, you'll have those, all those pictures where life is just perfect. And, and we want to share this ideal life of this is the life that I live. This is Lucas's Facebook story to the world, and life is so good all the time. These are the meals I eat, and isn't it so fancy? Don't you want to eat this too? And, and these, this is, the, this is the, all the stuff that's happening. It's like, no, 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 no. Hey, why don't we show the pictures of my child pooping on the floor? Like, that's the reality of it. You can come over and clean that stuff. You know, that's life of a pastor. Come and sign up today. You know, and so all of these things, but, but there's this kind of wall of the more we try to connect on this level, the more disconnected we feel. And the more friends and stuff, well, honestly, the more lonely we are in our hearts. And we wonder why. And, and we say, Lucas, I, I want to say like Paul, I want to be able to, to share the gospel and, and give testimony of, of Jesus Christ, but I do want to share my life as well. But 
there's a few different things. One is maybe I'm just too afraid to. I'm too afraid that other people will see who the real me is and they'll just, they don't, they, they won't want to hang out with me or it'll, it'll, it'll scare some folks. Or maybe, Lucas, I've done that in the past. I've tried to share my heart. I've tried to share my soul with others and it's just been stomped on. It's been like how Mike told in his testimony, someone took that and they just spread lies. And someone took my heart and my soul and they just crushed it. And to be honest, Lucas, there's, there's a wall right there, and I don't want to share those things with anyone because it's not, it's not worth getting hurt. But yet at the same time, I'm suffering because I desire to share my life with someone. And so we kind of find ourselves in this catch-22 of if I don't know what I should share, how much should I share, um, should I tell them this, I don't want, I don't know. I want to share my life, but I run the risk of getting hurt. And then there's that person that, oh man, they're just willing to share every with you, everything with you at the drop of the hat. I mean, total stranger, next thing you know, you've heard their total life story of when I was seven and this happened, and you're just whoa, too much information. Uh, we are not there yet. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I, and I'm the worst for counseling. I, that's why you should talk to my wife and, and Jim and some of these other guys because I don't understand that stuff. I just kind of, uh, yeah, call somebody. I don't, I don't know. A- amen, you know, get over it. Let's get a cheeseburger. I'm great at so y'all think I'm joking, but I'm serious. Anyway, let me reverse that train before I get off on something else. Um, but here's the question that I want to look at this morning and hopefully can provide a little bit of structure for you guys. Uh, one, there's the desire to share our hearts with someone. Two, there's the risk of getting hurt. How do we know who to share our lives with? For that, the book of, back in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to read to you right uh, before what we read in chapter 8. So I'm going to start with verse uh, 1, chapter 2 and verse 1. This is Paul saying this. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our, in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much confliction. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, neither from you nor from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes cherishes her own children so affectionately longing for you we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of god but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us a few things of the test of whether or not you should share your lives with someone uh, the first one is in verse three for we for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness nor was it deceit. Is this person that I'm going to share my life with sincere? Or is there deceit in them? Is this person just naturally 
kind of has this manipulation about them. Have you ever just felt manipulated by someone? This is the person, or, or maybe I should put it like this. Have you ever bought a used car? Yeah. Have you ever felt manipulated by someone? There we go. We're connecting the dots. See, there's this reality that I'm not going to share with this guy my life. Because there's something about it that's just not clicking. Um, this is the same thing uh, with our relationships. There has to be a certain sincerity. Um, something really cool. If you, look, if you Google a word and just put the one word in, it'll actually bring you up a definition of the word. And under that definition, there will be this little chart. And so I Googled the word sincerity, and there's this chart underneath it. And what the chart represents is the usage of this word over time. And it goes back to the 1800s up to now. And back in early 1800s, the word sincerity, uh, as far as it's printed in publications, was used at this certain level. And if you look at that chart through time, the word drops and drops and drops to where now in our literature, the word sincerity is hardly ever used. And I just thought that is such a reflection of where we're at. Uh, There's this reality that we so long and desire for that, but we kind of feel like it's almost a myth. It's almost like to find someone that's truly sincere, to find someone that's that's not in this just for themselves, that's just kind of fading into the background. They have, it has to be shared with someone that is sincere. Verse 4 and verse 5. We speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time do we use flattering words. You've got to share your heart with someone who's not just going to tell you what you want to hear. See, there's this reality that we want to kind of surround our lives with yes people. Or people that will just kind of tell us all of the things that we want to hear. But to really share our lives, we've got to have that person in our lives that will tell us the things we don't want to hear. Uh, this week when we were getting ready for uh, today's service, Devin came up to me and she said, Honey, you know, I think I'd like to sing. And to which my first response was, Can you sing? <laughs> and she said, Yeah, I sing all the time. So I've been married to you for eight years. I've never heard you sing. She said, Well, I sing in the shower. I said, that doesn't count. I've never, I don't pay attention. Like, she said, well, I can sing. And she says, then she said this, well, if I sing something, will you tell me what you think? Oh, Lord, baby. Oh, girl. I love you too much for you to ask me that question. Because you know my personality. I'm going to tell you what I think. Do you really want to do this? Yeah, I do. Let it rip. And she did, and I said, okay, you can sing. Okay, not, not too bad. And uh, uh, just to kind of even that story out, it, it does work both ways. Um, because there will be moments whenever after Sunday we'll get home and me and Devin are there, and I'll inevitably say, hey, babe, what, what did you think about the sermon today? And she'll say, eh, mm, I've heard better. Thanks, babe. But the reality is, I know that she's not just telling me what I want to hear. And I can share my life with her. And she's not just going to be that, that yes person. She's going to give me her opinion. I'm going to give her mine. And we both love each other. And that's why we have this, I can share my heart. 
I can share my life and I can share my soul with you because you're going to tell me the truth in love. I mean, you're not just going to slam me to the ground and tell me that, hey, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. But there's a certain thing there, and that's the reality with our other relationships, that there has to be a sincerity, there has to be a reality that we can't just tell people what they want to hear. Uh, I watched this wonderful movie this week uh, entitled Lincoln. And uh, who's the guy? Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, I think. It's the, the newer version of this movie, Lincoln. And if you haven't seen it, you've got to see it. Amazing, amazing movie. And it's just kind of chronicling Lincoln and kind of some of the things that he went through uh, trying to, to get rid of slavery. And you just got to love this guy as a, as a leader. And one of the beautiful things that I read up about Lincoln was, you know, Lincoln was in this, before he was elected, he was in this race to, uh, to be the presidential nominee. And there's these other guys that were running against him on the ballot to, to, to take his place as the Republican candidate, I think. And I might get some of these details wrong. But um, anyway, you know, Lincoln beats him. But then when he goes to appoint his cabinet, he purposely appoints people that had very different views on issues that he had. And he did this for the reason of saying, listen, I want to surround myself with not just like-minded people, but I also want to surround myself with people that will show me a different view, that will be able to see things in a different light than I, than, than I, than I can see them in. And so he, he appointed, appointed some people, some Republicans and some Democrats, to be on his cabinet to show that, listen, I want what's best for this country. And I was just amazed in this movie how it just kind of showed forth some of his leadership skills. And I just thought, that's what we need today. We need people that will surround ourselves with not just people that will tell them what they want to hear, but people that will, will open our eyes and show us, listen, there's another way of looking at these things. And though we might have completely different worldviews, hey, you have something to offer, and I'll listen to you. Another one, ver- verse 6. Uh, nor did we seek glory from men. Another thing was sharing our hearts together. Have you ever met those people that you could just tell they're in it for themselves? Uh, I have this wonderful, wonderful relationship with Pastor Tim Holt at Seacoast Vineyard in Myrtle Beach. And we've, the, the beauty about our relationship is I'm for him and he's for me. And so much so that whenever he released us to plant this church five years ago, he got up in front of his church and he said, hey, listen, guys, Lucas is planting this church, and if any of you guys live closer to them, y'all should go to church there. And in that moment, it was just, that's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of leader I want to be under. That's just, it's not selfishness. It's all for the kingdom, and it's just there was just something beautiful about that, something beautiful about those relationships when you, can, when you can meet people that are truly for you. I'm not in this for me. I'm not, and, and, th- and I've taken that with me, and I've tried so hard, and I'm going to continue to try to be that kind of pastor that says, you have nothing that I want. There is not a single thing that any one of you have that deters me in one way or the other to, to try to say anything other than what God has given me. And I just want to give my life to you, to love you without expecting anything in return. And if you want to leave the church, that's okay. There's lots of other churches. Find whichever one you like the best. 
or, or, or if this is happening, whatever it is, it's my heart desire that I would be that kind type of man that just, I love you no matter what. And here's the thing about that. That is a conscious decision that you have to not just make once, but make every day. And there's those moments where you just want to throw in the towel on somebody and say, you know what? I'm just through with this guy. I'm through with this girl. They've got on my nerves just one too many times. They're just way too annoying. But then, God, I just choose to love them no matter what. I know that this person is going to take advantage or whatever, but Lord, I just bless them. That's just the type of person that I want to be. That's just the type of person that I would want to share my life with, to share my soul with, to know that they're going to take it and they're not going to cast this pearl before swine. That they're going to take it and realize that, man, this is his heart. Uh, Verse 7. Now we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own child. There's this certain, like, gentleness about the person. There's this certain nurturing and caring that, that I just want to give to you that a mother has. You know, Paul uses this beautiful uh, analogy of just as a mother with her child. And he's saying, that's how I feel about you, and that's how I just want to gear up to nourish you. You know, I've told you before the, the, the scientific medical fact of when a child cries out, Inside the mother's body, that, that mother's breast will actually begin to, to gear up to give milk to that child. It's something inside the mother that says, my baby's crying or hurting or in pain. And I want to nourish that child. And Paul's saying, listen, that's how I feel about you guys. Whenever you cry out or you're hurt, and everything in, in me just wants to gear up. And that's the same way God feels about us. See, when we cry out to God, Everything in, in God just kind of gears up like, oh, I just want to bring nourishment to them. I just want to be there for them. Uh, it's this beautiful picture of this is what it looks like. There's a bond. There's a quality that there's nourishment from this relationship. These are just a few qualities, but I kind of saved what I would say maybe is the best one for last. And that's back in verse 2 where Paul says this. For even after we had suffered much and been in much conflict. See, the person that you want to share your soul with, the first question I was asked is, have they suffered with me? Have they gone through the fire with me? Have, 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 have they been willing to put it on the line with me in this situation? Or are they the person that the second things get a little bit tough they're gone. Because the reality is, if that happens, I'm not sharing my heart with you. Because this thing is precious. I, I long to share my life and my soul with you, but you need to realize that this is a pearl. This is a beautiful thing. And, and to be entrusted with that, well, you kind of got to go through a little bit of the fire with me. I got to know that you're going to suffer right al- along with me, you know, Job's friends were amazing friends until they started pointing the fingers. They were awesome when they just sat with him in the pain and just mourned with him. See, we've got to ask ourselves, has this person been through it with me? Are they willing to go the distance? Because I long to share my life and my soul. These are 
These are a few qualities. There are five qualities that you could find and, and look for in, in a friend and a spouse and someone that you're going to share your life with, your soul with into people as, as we continue and, and grow with these things as a church, as a community. Um, and the beautiful thing about this is, is Jesus was all of these things. Jesus suffered for us. Jesus is gentle with us. There's no deceit in him. He didn't speak as just pleasing men or giving flattering words. He didn't just tell us what we needed or wanted to hear. He told us what we needed to hear. He didn't seek anything but just he loved us. And we have that same thing in that in us to do for each other, to be like him and to live like him. But here's the catch. We all want that. We all can agree that, man, I want someone to share my life and my, my soul with that, that, that will take it and, and walk with me through these things. But in order to have that, first we have to be that person. We have to be that person. Uh, Proverbs says this, Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. So we want all those things in others, but if we're not willing to be those things as well, it's going to get real lonely. So you want someone else to be, tr- that you could find trustworthiness in them. Well, are you trustworthy? Or are you running around and, and spreading lies on people? Or are you judging them? And you're wondering, well, why can't I find a person that won't judge me? See, we have to be that very thing. And, and here's the next thing. This doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it's a long process of, hey, it's gonna, if you want me to share my life with you, it's not enough that we just said hey and, and had a burger together. Listen, it, don't expect just because after service that, hey, we, we shared a, a, a chicken dinner and all this, that everything's just magically like, here's my soul. No, no, no. It takes time. And it, it, it takes going through it to get down to the deep stuff. But if we're in this thing for the long haul, if we're in this to, to be like Paul and say, listen, I long not only to share the gospel with you, the most beautiful, complete thing, but I also long to share my life with you. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the